UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, Howling in the Street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. Uh, I, I I don't know how many people are going to tune in during the afternoon, but I think it'll still be fun. I like going live. The fans seem to like it a lot, you know, too. I'll hit my intro, too. We're live now. Can you hear me? Oh, I got to tap for a sound. Okay. guys welcome back to another episode of the typical skeptic podcast i have a another really fascinating guest with me today um this is his second time on my show and how i found out about him was from the linda moulton house show his amazing work that he does for her on um remote viewing and remote viewing aliens and stuff like that and who i'm speaking about is buddy bolton uh buddy bolton's personal experiences have been witnessed by like many people from very different from the majority he's a stellar remote viewer um, followed by many scientists for his psychic abilities. He affects RNGs. Now, what RNGs are is random number generators. That means he can affect a slot machine. Um, he bends metal, no touch. That means screwdrivers, spoons, he can do it. And he heals people. He goes around New York City, and I love that fact because I'm an East Coast guy myself. He goes around New York City and actually heals people. He helps the homeless and stuff like that, and, and, and he does amazing work. Like, um, and he's had also uh, confrontations with non-human intelligence uh, show up, and he's worked with scientists on his uh, studies. So it's really amazing the stuff he does. And, and, you, and by the way, you guys will be able to ask him questions at the end. And uh, and if you want to leave a super chat, you're, you're not obligated to, but if you want to leave a super chat, you can. All super chats get split with the guest or whatever. And, uh, yeah, I want to give him a big warm welcome to the show. Buddy, thank you for coming back on. How are you? Good, Rob. Great to see you. A real pleasure to be with you always, you know. Um, yeah. Um, so I, before the show, we were talking a little bit about, like, your work with Dr. Gallenberger from the Monroe Institute. And I thought that was amazing because I've, I've interviewed him myself, too, and, like, how PK can affect certain things, like, or how we can use PK to affect certain things like random number generators. Can you get into that a little bit and what work you did with him? <clears throat> Absolutely. Well, first, uh, there have been studies for a hundred years on the ability of consciousness to affect mechanical and digital systems. And um, they've done it, you know, a hundred years of dice studies with people trying to affect the role of dice um, before random number generators, which are little devices that uh, are quote unquote random, but there's even more random devices called true random event generators. And those detect uh, subatomic particles and uh, thereby are a randomness created by the universe, God. 
rather than the random number generators, which are created by humans. <clears throat> so true random event generators are even more random. <clears throat> so um, affecting that stuff has a very long history. There's been tons of studies <clears throat> from, you know, incredible work from Dr. Bankston to uh, Dean Radin, um, tons of studies. You can go on the CIA reading room and see how they've uh, agreed that it's, uh, you know, it's a real phenomenon. And, you know, we live in an interactive universe where we're not just from a separate place in this universe. We're part of it. We're connected to everything. And we're stuck with kind of this pervasive feeling of separateness, but we're not. <clears throat> so true random number generators. And first of all, Dr. Gallenberger, absolute sweet, wonderful, wise soul. And he's one of the very few scientists who actually is a, a practitioner. And he's been tested. And I don't know if you spoke about that on your show with him, but um, he's just a wonderful guy. And so in Vegas, I went with uh, $300 and it was $3,200 $3, when I left. Um, so, oh my God. In a 24 hour period. And that was on craps and slots. And, um, you know, it's not about gambling and making money. I really want to reinforce that psychic abilities are from your subconscious and your subconscious isn't like your conscious. It's very much a stranger within. It speaks a different language. It's not hyper organized. It speaks in symbols and uh, it's non temporal and all these different things. So, um, the subconscious mind, people oftentimes say, well, how come you're not winning the lottery every week and driving state to state, you know, uh, saving lives? And the reality is that um, a string of numbers or a string of words is very complicated, very um, uh, organized, structured uh, data. And it's the toughest <clears throat> information for uh, intuitives to, to get. Um, <clears throat> so... Um, anyway, with a lot of these different devices and stuff, I was able to, uh, learn from Dr. Gallenberger, all sorts of things. We did HemiSync and, um, then went and worked on the machines and it was so fun and exciting and I'd never really played craps before, but boy, I, I, uh, seem to do rather well. And, uh, he's, he's a wonderful guy, a really wonderful soul. What do you think it is that uh, that that makes us uh, like have this effect over our reality? Is it consciousness or is it our interaction with consciousness? And I know that sounds really basic, but like, what is it at the core? Um, is it being able to um, feel love that that changes our reality, or is, is it love that changes our reality, or is that a weird question? Or is, is no, it's like, not at all. Um, it's your subconscious that connects to everything. I think your subconscious has a connection to everything, like all of your other senses. And I think, and a lot of other people that I've worked with and scientists and groups think that there's some sort of field. There's some sort of data field underneath the surface, this, a substructure underneath reality that is a combination of the past, but also this way of the universe getting to, to know itself, know where everything else is. There's a, some structure underneath there. And for me, it works on two levels. One is there's the target and there's you. And 
you kind of vibrate at a frequency. And what you try to do is focus on the target and get selfless. Put your conscious mind away. Let that subconscious mind that has a connection to everything a little better than the conscious mind and have your mind focus on the target. And then you start to empathize the words that you're uh, expressing. And that's uh, empathy, that connection, that resonance, that harmony is that connection. And when you make that connection, it's not just for data. I've done tons of remote viewings on all sorts of objects and lost things and lost people and distant places and have incredible accuracy. I just did one. They had a live double blind one on Twitter um, the other day and I did extraordinary. Um, it's not just the connection for data. It's also a connection where you can affect things. And I think that's where this um, phenomena comes from. We call it phenomena now. And, you know, history throughout history, phenomena has almost always represented near future technology. So I just think it's, um, it's this ability to be selfless and make a connection with the target and find this empathy. And ultimately, you know, you can call it love, but it's even deeper than that to me. It's this kind of oneness that you, you share and it, it's powerful stuff. It's, uh, and it'll constantly leave you stunned and tickled and happy. How much of reality would you say do you think is is like is malleable? Like the like how much of our reality do you think we have an effect on? Like that we can actually change our reality. You know, I don't think it's like, but I I don't I don't know for certain. This stuff is is a wonderful, delightful mystery. You get hints, and you know throughout. Uh, you know, history and different cultures, they've spoken about this stuff. And um, uh, in the Patanjali, Patanjali, they describe uh, walking the path of virtue. As you walk the path of virtue, you will gain abilities. You'll be able to see distant places. You'll be able to uh, turn or bend stone and wood. Uh, you'll be able to diagnose and heal illnesses. And so this connection you know, we're in an interactive universe and this connection is real. And I think evolutionarily, it, it probably has some very uh, logical possibilities of where it came from. You know, you can imagine the hunters out hunting and the women would have to stay in the cave perhaps and, um, you know, protect the next generation, which is, you know, evolutionarily super important. Uh, and perhaps they had to rely on their intuition to survive. So um, it's it's dynamic. I don't completely understand all of it. I think this substrate, this substructure to the universe is real. Um, 200 years ago, there was a bunch of weird phenomena. And uh, people thought it was um, like devil energy or um, spirit energy or this or that. And they had all sorts of different kind of fears about this effect they were seeing around these different phenomena. And this one guy named Volta pulled all of the phenomena together and uh, elucidated the electromagnetic field. And so now, <clears throat> 200 years later, 
I mean, we couldn't imagine living without the electromagnetic field. Everything around us is from the electromagnetic field, but we didn't really know about it until, you know, 200 years ago, basically. And I think the same is true with these abilities and this data field. Um, people throughout history have talked about the Akashic Record or the Monad or the Oneness or the Source. Or even if it's a simulation, it's like the motherboard or the program. You know, there's all these different words for the same sentiment that people have had. There is this way to connect with everything, all data, all information. So um, I think the physics will be uh, defined more and more over time. And it's interesting too. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was I was just going to say like I was I was going to ask you a question that, uh, that you talked something that you talked about earlier, but I, I wanted you to finish. You, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish. I it was just something that was on my mind. <laughs> no, please. Well, remember it real quick. Well, I just want to say that uh, even when they brought people in who are not into being psychic, like they did with SRI, a Stanford Research Institute, and the CIA, they brought in a bunch of people and proved time time again how incredibly accurate. Uh, remote viewing and psychic abilities are. Um, and they found out over time, even if people were not believers, that there was a weird connection to UFOs. And it's really interesting because people are like, well, how can ESP and UFOs, it's two wacky, you know, phenomena things, how can they have a connection? Well, if what I was just saying earlier about a field existing, if that field really exists, then it would almost mandate that a more advanced intelligence would know about it as well and utilize it. So maybe when you're utilizing this field or you're making a connection, you're sending ripples that can be detected by a more advanced uh, species. Yeah, that's one of the hypotheses, but I don't know. It's extraordinary. Yeah, I was going to say what, 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 about the, the blocking the path of virtue. Do you think that's really important as far as like, learning psi abilities, like to stay on a virtuous path in our lives. And does that complement the psi work? Big time, big time. And they've known about it for thousands of years. And you see it with people who have had ability, extraordinary abilities, but then they kind of stray off the path of virtue and their abilities wane and their experiences wane. Um, there's a, and a lot of people and you, uh, I don't want to name some specific names that are popular now, but there's a few people who had incredible events and really helped the UFO field tremendously by getting witnesses and doing other things. And they had personal, incredible experiences. But then once they started getting self-indulgent and um, greedy, maybe some might say, their abilities and stuff drifted away. I'll give you one example, uh, Hutchinson, John Hutchinson, who could do incredible physical effects. You can see videos on him and tons of scientists studied him. The CIA studied him and he could do incredible psychokinesis effects. But over time, he started getting a little bit more egocentric and a little bit more about the money and his abilities waned. <clears throat> um, so I think there is really something about a virtuous life. I don't know if that is something, you know, from this substrate or if it's your own subconscious saying, I don't want to be, you know, more powerful unless I'm a better person. 
So I, I think there's, there is, yeah, that's dang. this um, moral connection. Oh, it's so cool. I can see the chats now. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, 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 they come up in the, yeah. Um, but, uh, cutting out a little bit there, but I think. Can you, can you hear me now? Can you hear me yeah, now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, your, 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 your research into UAP bases and like you, I saw you did a video on that on your channel. Like, what do you, where do you think they're at if you had to guess? And like, I mean, have you really remote viewed them and, and like, they're really here, I guess. Like, I know that's, that's, that's a simple question to ask, but like, I'm a little bit skeptical, but I'm, I'm really open-minded. I'd interview a lot of contactees and stuff, but I just want to know, like, from someone like you as a remote viewer, are they really oh, here, yeah, would absolutely. you say? Absolutely. No question of it. And even people from, you know, the government and involved in UFO programs have, you know, basically hinted so strongly they've almost stated it. Um, we know there's specific locations. There's off of Catalina Island, um, San Clemente Island there on the West Coast where they saw the Tic Tacs and the Nimitz incident. Um, also on the East Coast, the Puerto Rican Trench. I think even Luis Elizondo spoke about it. Um, the deepest, most inaccessible areas are where there, uh, these repeat UFO uh, incursions and entrances um, and the, the only conclusion you can draw is that there's something going on down there that's that's more than just a, a ufo hiding that there are bases and with my ability in re remote viewing and uh, other ways i've uh, seen different stuff all over the planet and even great uh, remote viewers far better than me like uh, pat price and others mentioned several mountains that they were in especially at that time so it's kind of stunning to realize that they are here, here. They are entrenched here. They are underground. They are in mountains. And it sounds so preposterous, but when you just do the hard research, uh, you can't help but come to the conclusion that, wow, we have bases. And so uh, I've seen them, and I think they're for a wide variety of different purposes. Um, I can get into that if you like. Well, yeah, I was going to say, like, how do you go into remote viewing a target like that? Because, like, it's not like someone is giving you a target. You're assigning a target to yourself, and then you're going inward and looking at that, right? That happens all the, all the time when you have clients and different things. You get um, – it's not always just a number. Usually when you're get, given a target number, that's oftentimes just to test your abilities for someone else. But um, uh, there's different techniques for different types of viewing, and um, so for me, I, it depends the type of information I want to get as well, the technique. So I do something called astral, which is basically you meditate first, you know what the target is just before you go to lie down or close your eyes in a chair, you set the parameters of what you want to do. And then you close your eyes and you kind of let your subconscious go. I've had a tremendous amount of training with, um, teaching my conscious mind to shut up and I 
done, spent years and years and years doing nothingness meditations and adding impediments, more and more impediments, but still able to maintain the nothingness. And so I'm able to connect to a target. And sometimes if the connection is really good, if the resonance between the two tuning forks is really good, I can get extraordinary data, very detailed. And my experience is very immersive and very multi-sensory and uh, it's stunning. But this is something really important for people who are interested in doing this or using remote viewers. Um, there's something called verifiable targets and unverifiable targets. A verifiable target is pretty obvious. And an unverifiable target is kind of pretty obvious too, I guess, <clears throat> by definition. But you can only trust an intuitive's ability to accurately um, describe unverifiable targets by how well they do unverifiable targets. There's a lot of people who just do wild, you know, uh, targets that you just can't verify. And uh, they may have a, a large degree of accuracy, but you don't know how accurate they are unless you know how well they do unverifiable targets. So I just wanted to kind of make that point. I think it's important. Yeah, uh, someone wrote here in the chat. Um, that I, I guess this is one of your fans, she, Amy Athian. She wrote, "I gave Buddy an eight-number target, and he did an astral viewing that was stunningly accurate." Hey, beautiful Amy. Nice to see you, dear. Long-standing friend. Um, yeah, I don't remember that viewing exactly, but um, uh, that's I've cool. Just been blessed with all these weird, you know. Every time it happens, every time you nail a target, it's stunning. You know, for a friend, I found his key to his safe and him and his wife were looking for it and looking for it and couldn't find it. And they're about to call a locksmith. He's like, I'm going to call my psychic friend. And the wife was like, oh, no. And so uh, I said, it's in a little flowery um, envelope, a little pouch. It has white and like old school uh, flowers on it with red. And it's in a giant wooden like dresser at the top shelf in the back and that's exactly where they ended up finding it so things like that and you're like it's it's always stunning you know it, it's it's ridiculous yeah it's amazing um back to the, the, the ets like um another video you did on your channel is the types of spacefaring ultra advanced et species that are around like which ones do you think we could actually verify like Besides, like what the contactees tell us, or or does it go in line with the contact what the contactees tell us? I think even when you see a biological non-terrestrial being, you have to think of the possibility that it could be a construct. It could be a physically a biological robot. A lot of people say that greys are these they're created for specific missions and uh, i'm in that same camp i believe that most of them are created so you um it it's hard to trust anything from a more advanced species you can't even trust your own senses or your own cognition so um it's 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 wild uh, i think here on earth there is <clears throat> A variety of different types of forms but i'm also very suspicious that they might come from one primary intelligence um and i think i'll kind of leave it at that
Well, that, that's a that's a great point. Do you think so? You're saying like the Greys, the Reptilians, the Nordics. Like, if you if you ever listen to Daryl Sims, like he thinks that they're all like they're all robotic. He thinks that they all have like some kind of that they come from some intelligence that's creating them and like sending them out to do that their bidding, like which that's is abductions and all this. Yeah, that's basically my belief as well. Um, and but just because something is created doesn't mean it it's not. Uh, it can't be independent um, or, you know, sentient or all of that stuff. Um, I, I think, you know, intelligence is intelligence. And um, just because someone creates something doesn't mean it's not, doesn't have its own existence. Although I think most of these beings probably act as avatars for the primary intelligence um, for specific data gathering and things like that. You can imagine if you are an advanced civilization, the most valuable thing in the universe to you wouldn't be gold or diamonds or uranium. It would be data. Knowledge is power. And I think Earth and life forms in general are incredibly densely packed forms of data. So there's a lot to study here and learn from. Do you, do you think that we were like, uh, I mean, like, does any of your research point to you that we were like a genetically modified species? Like, you know, like you, you hear the stories of the Anunnaki and stuff like that, that they came and they might have, you know, tinkered with our DNA. Do, do you do you believe that or what, what are your thoughts on that? I'm not really completely on that same page. I'm more in kind of like the zoo hypothesis camp where, okay. um, you know, if you're a zoo animal, the things that you would see um, kind of mimic the things we see in UFO and phenomenology. Um, you would see flashes of light, you know, the tourists with cameras. You would see things disappear and reappear. You would see, even like for abductions, you'd be, uh, you know, lions and different animals are knocked out. They have missing time. Then they reappear in this room where there is an incredibly sterile room and some medical procedures being done on them. And then, you know, they wake up later on back in their enclosure. Um, I think there's a lot we can understand about something more advanced than us by looking at other systems like that, um, like an animal in a zoo. And I, I'm more in keeping with the zoo hypothesis, I think. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Um, I wanted to ask you, what do you think about um, the, uh, the, the, like, what was I going to say? Uh, UFO fleets, like the, the DC flyover. And, and, and I guess at the same time, like CE5 experiences, I guess we could get into both of those. Like um, if, if I guess that's two kind of separate topics, but um, whatever, you, whatever you want to go well, with. There. The fleets first. Fleets are really interesting. You know, a few years ago, I was talking with Dr. Simeon Hine and kind of uh, proposed this um, fractal uh, UFO model. And, uh, this model talks about different aspects of ufology and that ufology has different eras and we're in a new era now. And this era is um, hallmarked by several characteristics, one of which is fleets. The other is more military interactions. Another is more a primary geometric shaped craft, the geometrics. And um, I think fleets are really interesting. You have to ask yourself, why are there all of these craft? What is their mission? Do they need that many? 
what is the um, what are their what is their goal as a fleet? And I think what's happening, especially now with this big incursion with the military, is they're doing a conditioning process. They're conditioning us to that reality. And it used to be a lot with you know humans, and they did the DC flyover, and there's so many great uh, fleet videos, but the military has been a real big focus the past 10 years. And if you ask yourself, if you wanted to desensitize or, or condition a planet filled, filled with life forms to your presence, and you don't want to have any problems or any violence, at some point, you need to connect to the militaries and let them know that you're not hostile. So time and time again, we see uh, naval fleets or groups of, you know, the military together and the craft will be right on the edges, you know, and uh, let everyone know that they're there, but they're not hostile. And um, I think, you know, words you could, are one thing, but actions speak very loudly. And time and time again, they're, they've seemed to be non-hostile and that they're conditioning us slowly over time. Yeah, that's that's pretty. I mean, so do you think that? The, well, let me ask you this: Do you think we have our own fleets out in space? Like, you know, I, I know you work with Linda Moulton Howe to answer a guest question. So, a guest asked if you worked with Linda Moulton Howe. So, yeah, he went, he does work with Linda Moulton Howe. But like, I wanted to ask you: She talks about that we have our own craft, like the Hill and Cotter, um, which is named after admirals. Um, do you do you believe that as well that we have our own fleets out in space now as well? Because I think so. I think we got. Also, but I don't think it's like fleets of craft, craft, like in a big way. I think it's um, it's limited. I think there are tons. Oh, shit, you cut out. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, good. Um, I think there's uh, a lot, obviously a lot more than we're aware of uh, in orbit outside of orbit. I think there's stuff from the National Reconnaissance Office, the, the Geospatial Agency, uh, CIA, and they're looking for certain hallmarks even. Uh, a report came out and revealed that there are certain frequencies that uh, these craft emit consistently. And it's around, I think it's three gigahertz. But another thing that's really interesting is that they emit anti-neutrinos. What's that? Anti-neutrino is a, um, a piece of antimatter. There's a neutrino, and then there's an anti-neutrino, which is the other side of it. And it's um, a natural, normal part of radioactive decay. And so I have a feeling that there are satellites that are just looking for anti-neutrinos. And there are some anti-neutrino maps of the Earth <clears throat> where you can see hot spots where there's an nuclear power station you see it light it's it's lit up um so although i don't think we have you know fleets and fleets of super advanced craft um i do believe we have a much more strong presence in space than uh, we admit and that we're being told about right of course of course yeah. but i don't think it's like yeah. you know star trek or you know we're flying to other uh, solar systems 
So it's it's kind of more like we're on a solar warden type thing where we're we're like maybe like we're orbiting our our planet and Mars maybe is that kind of what yeah. you're getting at? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So let me ask you this: like when when we when people are having CE five experiences, do you think they're contacting like benevolent ETs or do you think they're um they're uh seeing our our craft or is it a mix? Well, I think you have to be really discriminating when you see stuff at night. Oftentimes people see a, a, a flicker, you know, at orbital level and, you know, they're like, that's an ET for sure. You know, that's an alien. But uh, you have to be really logical and grounded. You know, it's more probable that it's just the um, solar panel of a satellite turning and reflecting the sun and flashing. Um, I think we have to be very grounded and, and logical about, you know, what we see in the sky and, you know, what we determine it as. But I think in general, CE5 does work and it gets into this very interesting, weird area where, like I was saying before, there's this substrate and that psychic stuff, uh, you know, connects to it. <clears throat> but if it's real, if it's a real part of physics, if it's a real field, then a more advanced civilization would know about it. So a lot of CE5 groups kind of use intuitives and use their intuitive ability to try and make contact. And they do make contact, real contact, craft that comes down lower than cloud level to ground level. There's you know just so many stories about how CE5 works. And personally, I've never had a negative experience with any aspect of all of this stuff, whether it be the, you know, UFO research or the esoteric stuff. Um, it's all about you, I think, and your consciousness and your mind. And if you're open up to negativity and you're really fearful, then you increase the chances of something negative and fear-worthy happening. So um, I think CE5 does work. And I think <clears throat> they're contacting real beings sometimes. And other times they might be co-creating stuff with their consciousness. Uh, I, you know, I'm not certain. But there's some weird stuff that happens when people come together and become cohesive. Um, <clears throat> Pear, which was Princeton uh, Anomalies Research Labs, did a bunch of really cool studies. And they found out that cohesive groups, when they come together, cohesive groups affect random number generators dramatically. And it was so dramatic, I think it was uh, proven to a point of five sigma, which is a very high level of evidentiary value. So, you know, cohesiveness coming together in harmony has a very powerful effect. And uh, that's the premise that CE5 works on in many ways. So, um, I, you know, people, some people out there might be like, uh, CE5 is BS. And just for those who don't know what it means, it's close encounters of the fifth kind. It's human um, initiated contact. And um, it may sound silly or goofy, but uh, if you do a little bit of research, you'll see for yourself. And if you go out there and experience it, there's no turning back. It lights a fire under you that just is never quenched. So in a way, it's it seems five kind of proves that sky, UFOs, and the paranormal all kind of coexist and they all are linked together, right? Big time. Big time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I'll put, I'll, I'll kind of try and link something together. You know, UFOs 
and phenomena locations. There's a lot of phenomena locations around the world that have multi-phenomena happening there, like, like East Eddy Ranch with Gilliland or uh, other famous, you know, ranches with a bizarre amount of wild stuff happening. And they have very specific characteristics that both UFOs and these weird locations share, although they're totally different things, seemingly. UFOs tend to mirror the observer. There's many cases in UFO history of someone flashing a flashlight and then the craft flashes back the same numbers. It's Why is that, do you think? What, 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 why does it do that? Is, it, is that consciousness or what, what is? That's contact. That's a basic form of communication. Mimicry is one of the most basic forms of communication. So I think it's a, an initial um, attempt at communication. But also they mimic physically as well too. Um, Lieutenant Fravor spoke about in the Nimitz incident, how it was uh, mimicking his movements. So mimicry is one of these characteristics. The second is precognizance. Uh, UFOs seem to know what you're going to do next. Um, Lieutenant Fravor said that the UFO knew where the next waypoint was going to be and was there before he got there. That was, that, that was only something the pilot would know too, right? Yes. And then with phenomena locations, time and time again, they, people tried to do experiments, and even Bigelow spoke about this and the Nidstein uh, and others, that whenever they tried to do an experiment, it seemed like the phenomena knew about it ahead of time <clears throat> uh, and tricked them or made it impossible to, rec to record or test the certain feature they wanted to test. And then the last one I'll bring up is the hitchhiker phenomena. When people have a UFO experience, they have weird stuff that follows them home. And when people go to these weird phenomenal locations, they've got weird stuff that follows them home. So when you think about it, what else mirrors you? What else is precognizant of you? And what else follows you home? You, right? It's you. Is yeah, that the it's your consciousness. It's the only answer. You know, these are two different things. So are we creating a tulpa in a way with our mind? I think sometimes we are creating a tulpa. And for those who don't know, a tulpa in Buddhism is a very advanced um, monks and practitioners can create a life form. And it's called a tulpa. And it can be a little being that runs around, basically, and does stuff. And um, there's a lot of traditions about that. And, um, you know... There's this weird aspect of it all that leaves me really unsure whether some of these things are created by the mind or not, or co-created with the universe. Um, of course, some are separate and standalone and they're not created by human minds, but others have a very strange quality that make you think they could be created by the observers. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know all the answers, but I certainly have a bunch of good questions. <laughs> no, I, I was thinking about this, too. I just thought of this. This wasn't on my list of questions. But do you think when people have a DMT experience and it's it's like multiple people when they've taken DMT, they've witnessed the machine elves. Like, do you think that's something that our mind creates? Like, is our mind that powerful that they would that it could create like entities that are like interacting with us in this like uh, psychoactive world? I don't believe that the uh, machine elves are a separate real entity. I think they're a um, 
consequence of DMT and the human mind and that they are a, um, not a stereotype, but a, um, I can't think of the word, but they're kind of like um, an iconic sort of visual explanation of a, a feeling that you get while on that drug. Um, I think when you really think about it, it's a drug and it's a certain molecule that affects the brain in a certain way. And so you would expect that different people taking the same drug would have very unique specific experiences related to the chemical composition of that drug. So I don't necessarily believe they're actually uh, meeting real machine elves. I think they're having a experience based on the drug, basically. So, so the, the drug has a, has a, a certain way that it wants to interact with people. Does that sound weird? You know what I'm trying to say? Like, does the drug have its own, like, uh, no, control over someone's mind or what, you know what no, I'm saying? Like, I just think it's kind of like a, if, if you smoke marijuana, people get the munchies. It's not like, wow, how did they all get the munchies? Does munchies exist separately from humans? Um, <laughs> I think it's a consequence of the drug, you know. Um, people see double or pe the ground spins when you drink too much. And you're like, is there a separate place where the ground is really spinning? I don't think so. I think it's a consequence of the drug. But I think it's super fascinating. Yeah, it really is, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, I'm going to ask you about this, getting back to the size stuff. What is a gestalt? And we might have talked about this last time, but I really wanted to bring that up. I thought that was interesting. This is the key of psychic abilities. And um, you may have heard your grandmother say, I got this gut instinct, this gut instinct or this intuition. And a gestalt is basically this idea, a thought that leaps to you from your subconscious. And it is best expressed when your conscious mind is very still and quiet and you're really just listening. You're not trying to go get data in your mind. You shut off everything and let the data come to you. So I do nothingness meditations, which are um, I close my eyes and uh, I do a bunch of other things too, whether it be lotus position or balancing or all sorts of different things. But I just try to get into a space of pure nothingness. And, you know, it's about signal versus noise. So when you learn to come to this place of nothingness and you shut down your consciousness and really focus on your subconsciousness, you're reducing the noise. So the signal comes through a lot easier. So um, that signal is a gestalt. And you're supposed to always listen to that very first one. And even if it's weird or wild, write it down. That's that's the one. And you'll find out time and time again that, you know, that why didn't I go with that first thing that came to my mind? But my rational consciousness came in and said, no, try this. It's better. Um, so a gestalt is this magical little gift from your subconscious where it brings the information to you as opposed to you having to go hunt it down. Does that's that make so sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Now, have you been able to use this like to like uh, find missing people and 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 is is that worked in in that case uh, a lot? Yeah, um, I've helped. There's a couple recordings on my channel. Um, a father's daughter was missing here, and um, I've done it with bodies. 
which is really, I don't like, I don't enjoy or seek out that kind of um, work because it's really, if you can, it really takes you into very dark places. For example, there's this kid that's missing named Cody Bigsby and um, he's still missing. And I just got a little bit, tiny bit of information um, and a couple of different people requested me to get involved in the case. And I did a viewing and it had so much information in it that the father um, had suffocated the child and abused the child his entire life and in the end wrapped him up in a piece of bedding and then put him in a construction bag, one of those construction garbage bags, backed up his car to the apartment building, opened the trunk, put the child in there and uh, took him to a dumpster. Uh, on the day that he knew the dumpster was going to be, uh, you know, picked up. And going through horrific kind of experiences like that um, are not pleasant. You know, they feel bad. And my ultimate uh, conclusion on that was that the child was at this, this in the dump site. And they still haven't found Cody. They looked in a bunch of places around the neighborhood and places associated with the father's work and all this stuff, but they haven't found him yet, but they haven't searched the, the, the dump. And the more time passes, um, you know, the harder it's going to be to find that location from that time period. So, uh, do do you think this has to do with like what David Polides talks about the missing form one, or do you think people just go missing all the time? Like, but no, it seems like evil, there are evil people out there. People get killed. There are evil, evil, evil people out there. Sociopaths that were, you know, abused as a child and had such abuse that it screwed up their emotional connectivity to other life and other life forms that some people have. You know, some of us are naturally very empathetic, but there's been a billion studies that show if you abuse a child, even as young as a baby, and you neglect them, it will have major consequences. You know, right now, with there's been over 600 school, not school, but mass shootings this year, over 600. And time and time again, you'll hear the shooter, generally a young man, say, I was made fun of, I was abused, I was depressed, I always spent time alone, you know, no one hung out with me. Um, I was, you know, all these, you know, made fun of. And these are the people that lash out. And, you know, a little bit of empathy and a little bit of connectivity and a little bit of love. I think I don't think it's the problems of guns or uh, laws or I think it's all of our problem. You're never yeah. wasting a moment when you ask someone how they're doing or you press them a little harder about how they're feeling and if they're OK. And if you can help them, you're never wasting a second when you're caring or being empathetic or loving. Because the consequences can be so dramatic, but you'll never know. But you'll know the consequences of not helping. And that's these shootings that happens again and again and again. Very few people are born outright sociopaths from genetic birth. Very, very, very few. Maybe, you know, I would think like, you know, 0.08% or something. And... Almost all the sociopaths, all the major serial killers, same thing, abuse, abuse, abuse. You know, and it's, it's a cliche, but hurt people hurt people. 
and yeah. loved, loved people love people. And I think our whole society would be better and better we, if we taught our kids the power of empathy, that empathy creates a connection that can give you, you know, Harry Potter powers, magic ability, basically. If kids knew that, I don't think we'd have any school shootings anymore. Um, we teach our kids about physical education, but not mental education, consciousness education, how to slow down your own heart. Even things as simple as, as that can really help you. But um, I think empathy is so important nowadays more than ever. Do you, do you think that, well, our, our, that maybe there's hope and that our consciousness is starting to shift and maybe people are becoming more empathetic with kind of this, this kind of new society, that, or not just new society, but like, you know, a lot of people say there's an awakening happening. There is, there's a huge awakening happening. But like, do you see that, that society getting more empathetic or do you think there's always just going to be bad? Like, Well, I don't see us getting become more empathetic, actually. I think social media and technology has helped us be more sociopathic. Me, me, me over here, me eating a sandwich, 12 pictures of me, you know, doing yoga, me dancing, me, 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 me. And that's really the opposite of what we need right now. We need to care about you and our biosphere and other things. And I, I oftentimes think that our planet and our species and our technology is all at a point, a pivotal point where there are going to be issues that confront all of humanity. And we have to address them as a species, as a planet, like a meteor strike, which could kill, you know, everybody or solar flare or gamma ray burst or a pandemic. You know, this past pandemic, I won't get into the conspiracy stuff on it, but it was a global pandemic and we tried to handle it locally. And the pandemic keeps growing and keeps changing. And I said back then it's going to keep morphing and changing and um, getting different variants. And if we all came together as one planet and we had a week to prepare and we had like 98% of the population all over the world do the indoor thing like we had to do at the beginning of the pandemic. And if, but if we coordinated it, we could have squashed COVID in a, a month. We would have squashed yeah. it. But I get, pes you know, I hate to be pessimistic, but if human beings couldn't come together to save our own lives, what is it going to take to save our biosphere and our planet? What kind of shock to our intellect and our consciousness and our behavior is going to be potent enough to make us realize that we're not all separate and that borders are stupid and wars are stupid and all these things. <clears throat> the only thing I agree. I that, the only thing, you know, that's going to save us, I think, is disclosure. And it's been held from us for 70 years, at least. You know, our greatest national security doesn't come from taking these crashed craft and trying to reverse engineer weapons. The greatest gift of those craft and our greatest national security is releasing them so that humanity can come together and reflect on ourselves. We'll see how precious human beings are in the universe. If most of the population realized our universe is filled with life 
It's a rainforest brimming with life. It's constructed for life, basically. If people really started to realize that, we would come together more. Wars would be stupid. And we're at a very precarious point. You know, as technology gets more powerful, fewer and fewer people can do more and more damage with less and less. Even a tiny mistake with high-end technology can have devastating consequences. I think, um, I can't remember the name of the nuclear test, but I think it was the first hydrogen bomb. I think it was Trinity. And um, it ended up being 10 times more explosive than they thought it was. The best scientists. So I think we really need disclosure badly. You know, I, I think so too. I think it would bring us, like you said, it would bring us all together for sure, right? And and then nuclear wars wouldn't seem as like like what? Why are we getting ready to blow ourselves up? You know that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's a stupid thing. It seems like a real primitive way of thinking, right? It really does. And so many people try to divide us and have tricked us. You are tricked. We're all tricked to divide us. Oh, do this, or it's that person's problem, or this is a blue state, or that's a red state, or that's a commie, or that's a woke person, or this person's Antifa, or it's that country, or that religion. Whenever someone is trying to divide us, they don't really have solutions. They're just trying to divide us for their own personal power game. Yes. Oh, my God, you're amazing. It's always the case. Every single time someone will divide us will cater to our worst instincts and our fears to try to divide us, but they don't have a solution. They're just trying to gain power. And if they really cared, the first thing they do is just come out with a solution and not try to divide. You know, people who are different than you and cultures that are different than you and things that are different than you provide an exquisite opportunity for learning. You know, there's a very big chance a lot of people within the government and maybe even in some religions would demonize, you know, an advanced intelligence that visited Earth. Would say, it's a demon, I know it's a demon. But <laughs> you're creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, you're demonizing something that's maybe not a demon. Maybe you're acting more like the demon. So yeah, and that's true because I, I'm not saying about religion, but they have been kind of like a thorn in society's side. These like kind of like televangelists and like all this like this real heavy religious stuff that has like such a heavy um, uh, layer of like uh, scrutiny and um, and just oppression and uh, yes, and trying to control. You know, that's that's kind of why the way I see mainstream religion. You know, for the most part, mainstream religion is just another one of those dividers. Yeah, it's about them. It's not about bringing us together. You know, anyone in their gut knows that God wants us to come together, not to break apart and fight and kill each other because they're not Christian or they're not Muslim or they're, you know, transgender or they're from another country. Um, we can't listen to those who divide us. Every time you hear those trying to divide us, you know that that person is sociopathic and self-involved and trying to profit somehow. I, I totally agree. I, I, well, I, I, don't, I don't think I have any other questions. This was really well said. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any other. Is there anything else you wanted to cover before we finish up for today? No, I think you really guide us through a lot of really awesome things. Um, 
I just want to share one last little thought. And the thought is that, you know, the past exists still as a structure. It holds up now. So every time you do something, it is painted on the fabric. It's embossed on the fabric of space-time forever. So when you are holding the hand of someone that you love that passed away, and you're thinking about holding their hand, you know, years ago when you were walking with them, you still are holding their hand walking with them. And you are for the rest of eternity. That moment is a forever living moment. So when you do a good deed, it lasts for the eternity, for the history of this you know, universe. And when you do an evil deed, it lasts forever. You don't want to be living forever in a moment that's full of hate or full of greed or full of selfishness. You want to live forever in a moment where you're hugging or you're with someone you care about or like here, I'll show you. These are some of my favorite moments that I hope I'm always enjoying in eternity. This is a living teddy bear named Cosmo. <laughs> oh, he's cute. Cosmo is my buddy. And every moment where he will try to <laughs> try to gain my attention because I'm working or something, I'll be like, you are right, Cosmo. Love is more important than my busy little human papers. So, um, you know, I, I, I would just say, remember, everything you do is written down and exists as living moments forever. You want to be remembered for good moments, loving moments, empathetic moments, selfless moments. Bringing people together type moments, right? Instead of division. Absolutely, brother. Any idiot can destroy. It takes one finger to destroy. But to create, that takes vision and tenacity and real skill. And, and for the people that don't know, you walk the walk because you go out and help the homeless. You heal people. I know you use your side powers for like healing people. So you really do that. You really walk the walk, right? Absolutely. And I do it out of love and wanting to. And I get so much out of it. Um, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And every time someone will call and say, you know, the healing from today, I feel so much better. I felt the best I felt in years. Every time you get one of those things, it's priceless. And I've seen and I've witnessed miracles. I've, you know, people with stage three and stage four cancer who's, who went to zero untraceable, undetectable. Um, and I don't take credit for that. I think that's God. And there's so many different factors involved. You can't take credit for anything like that, you know. Um, but um, just believe. Believe. You know, have hope and believe. That would be my the best I can say. And it was so nice to see some of my friends in the chat room too. Like I am, I love these people. Yeah, I wanted to get because because you do this help, help for people. I wanted to see if people want to donate to you. How can they do that? Like, and if people want to contact you, how can they do that? Well, I don't charge for anything, but um, that's kind of a stupid uh, business decision on my part. But um, I do take donations. I don't charge uh, for anything so you can email me at alienprotocols at gmail.com and if they wanted to donate it's alienprotocols at uh, paypal and um if you have any questions if you know someone who needs healing if you want esp tips or any of those things just uh send me a little email and it'd be my honor to do the best i can to help that's awesome this was this was awesome man thank you so much like this was just another cool show i think this was a great show and i, I hope it leaves an impact on people I, I pray, you know, that it, that's all I really want to do with life is help and uplift and make it a little bit better than I found it. 
Um, if you ever desire to next, I've almost never seen this. People doing it live, remote viewing live, doing some of this ability stuff live. Maybe our next show, we should do that. Um, oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, we could do that. Would you, would you want to do a remote viewing session live? Absolutely. And I could do a couple things to show, uh, you know, intuitive abilities from the Russell Targa game where you, you know, find the, and it gives you great statistical value for, as an experiment. Uh, a bunch of different things we could do. And uh, I would be totally into it. I'm not, I don't fear failure because you never fail. If you're learning, you're never failing. And, um, you know, I was a little nervous to do this big Twitter one the other day. There's double blind remote viewing. And apparently I did maybe the best. <clears throat> um, and it's pretty extraordinary. I think I sent you uh, uh, the pictures and stuff and the tweets and all that on it. But Shelly, the artist in the chat, she just said, I'll put it up on this. She said, do Dugway Proving Ground. You know, that's the one place I haven't done is Dugway. One of the few places I haven't done. That's a cool idea, Shelly. Oh, Shelly, the artist. Hi, Shelly. Yeah. Well, what is Dugway? Is that, a, is that, an, that's a, is that for uh, fighter pilots or what? I think that's... Um, a, a military area that has a long history of UFOs and stuff and underground stuff. And uh, I've never done Dugway. It kind of reminds me, it, it's not like Dulce, but it's different. It's a real military place. And uh, that's a great one. You know what, too, before another episode, too, you could get some locations that people in the audience want me to go view. She and, said it's like Area 51. She said Dugway is yeah. like Area 51. It's in that area there too, with Tonopah and Nellis and uh, Area 51. It's all in that area. Uh, I spent a, a good amount of time at Indian Springs and had some crazy events and got a picture of a gigantic craft moving through the sky in video. And, uh, I mean, real quick, I wanted to ask you before we go. Real quick, I, I just got to get your opinion on this. Why do you think that, like, so, like that whole area, like, like that surrounds Skinwalker is so paranormal active? Like, because it's not just Skinwalkers. The other places around it, you have Blind Flog Ranch. You have like all, all kinds of stuff. You have Sedona, Arizona, you know, that, that, that has high activity. You have, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the other ranch that's right there. There's another one where the guy had grays on his property and he had problems. Like, you know, his name was John something, John Edwards, John Edwards. And, you know, but what, the point I'm trying to make is like there's all kinds of stuff in that area. Like, do you think that's like geomagnetic or something? I think that's a possibility. And I also think that there's a lot of tradition and, you know, when the more you believe something, the more you believe it goes from your conscious mind to your subconscious. So some of these things could be creations of us just believing. Um, so I don't really know for certain. I think there are there could be some underground stuff. I think it could be attracted by some of the military and nuclear stuff that goes on in those areas. Um, but I'm not certain. It could be all of them, which is might be the most likely. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, that, this was awesome. Thank you again for doing this. And yeah, we, we should do a live remote viewing. I think that would be fun. It would be awesome. And we could also do targets. If you get some targets from the audience, I'll do them ahead of time and then let them know the results um, uh, during that broadcast as well. Should we do that Dugway proving round? Do you want to try that? Absolutely. I can put that down on a list right now and maybe you can get some more and we'll start adding like maybe five. It'll give me like, you know, a week or two to put them in amidst my schedule and we'll do the five different locations and what I saw.
It can even yeah, be guys, if you're watching this and you guys have ideas for Buddy, email email me or Buddy. My email is real simple. It's typicalskeptic1 at gmail.com. You guys know that. It's in my community page. Like if you go to my YouTube page and you hit the about section, my email is right there. It's typicalskeptic1 at gmail.com. And Buddy's is really easy too. It's alienprotocols at gmail.com. Email us and let us know your suggestions. Like, what, what you want to see him remote view, and then we'll put the show together and we'll do it. I think that would be amazing. That sounds fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. Heck yeah, that would be awesome. Well, uh, thank you again for doing this. And uh, uh, oh, wait, um, my, this is Nikki. She's a real close friend of mine. Well, you might even yes, say she's can, a real close she, uh, she says, Can you remote view the afterlife? I have. It's very bizarre. It's very bizarre, I have. And uh, maybe I'll talk about that and try again. I've had really weird experiences, like there's these realms. You go through from life, after life, to death, death. And there's these places in between where people who have passed can cannot go any further, and you can't go any further, but you can meet in these little uh, realms. And um, it's, it's really intense. Um, is it really? I mean, I, I, I always wonder, you know, like there's like Mark Anthony, the psychic explorer. He says that um, you need to change your frequency to communicate with the ones who pass. He calls it the afterlife frequency. Would you agree with that? Yeah, there's a, a great intuitive named Tyler Henry. And uh, he does. He's the most accurate in terms of uh, connecting to past life, you know, people. And I think there is this connection with them and you can get information now from them, even though they're past. Um, it's from that same field we were talking about before. Um, I wish I understood it better, but, but uh, I know it's real by the amazing stuff I've seen time and time again, by all the studies, all the research that's been done. It is stunning. I'm just so surprised we're not taught this from being a kid and we would all be better humans, more efficient, more productive. And, uh, with that extra empathy, I think we'd all be a lot safer too. We, you had one more question. This is Nancy. She says, uh, hi, Nancy. She says, can you speak to people out loud who you are viewing? I don't know what she means by that. Can I speak to people? Oh, if I'm doing a viewing of someone, can I speak to them? Is that what she means? Can you speak to people out loud? Oh, maybe like, can I speak to them from a distance? Uh, that's a very complex question. It really takes another intuitive and you can have some back and forth communication over a distance, but you can, um, well, I guess I can say you can make them feel a sentiment. Someone at a distance, you can make them sad. You can make them angry. You can make them, um, she wrote, she wrote, she wrote, yes, make an audio communication. Does that make sense? Not back and forth. You really can't do it back and forth. You can't talk like a phone, but you can send feelings, sentiments, sometimes even words. I've been a part of experiments where someone would try and send an image to me or I receive an image. I just did that recently and uh, I got it. It was a house and it was a little drawn house. And... Um, but back and forth talking, it's not that organized. It's not that cohesive. Um, like healing, you can do at a distance. You can also send messages at a distance, but you're getting into a weird area here called um, remote influence, which is a ethically gray area. 
because people, you know, should have their own will and, and things like that. And if you're trying to impose your will on others, I, I don't think that's an ethical thing. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's like, like, like some uh, some forms of witchcraft. Like you can you in, impose your will on somebody. Like you hear people putting curses and spells on people and stuff like that. And that I have a feeling that's real too. And that we could get into that sometime about how that how consciousness affects that, like spell casting and stuff, because that's definitely very real, right? Oh, absolutely. Just like healing has been proven more than almost any of these other esoteric arts. What's the opposite of healing? <clears throat> and do you think it's possible? Yeah. That's it. Well, I, I love doing these shows because I'm sorry. Go ahead. I've been a part of experiments to um, affect physical objects non-locally. The rate of algae growing, the rate of crystals growing, uh, trying to affect metal at a distance, trying to affect uh, an EMF meter at a distance, and you can do all of those things. Um, Remember the last time you came on my show, you affected your own brainwaves. You made your, your brainwaves go from a beta state to an alpha state. You put on that thing you have. Oh, that yeah. was amazing. Yeah, I can that, do that, that any time. I can spike any brainwave really high, too, unusually high. Wow. See, th this is what makes me realize that psi is real, and it's it's people like you that give me hope that I can grow my own psi abilities and, and get them to a, a great place, you know? Yes, this is an EEG right here, one of the least expensive kinds. This is called Muse, M-U-S-E. This is the Muse 2. And you can, yeah. it. it's less than 200 bucks now, I think. And you can learn how to control your own brain waves, your heart rate, and all these other things that have massive positive effects on your life. Each brain wave reflects a different state of your mind, a different type of activity um, that's maximized. And you can use the ability to call up a brain wave to help you. So, uh, you know, if you are, you feel real scatterbrained and you need to concentrate, you can bring up your Delta or your Alpha, or if you want to be super creative, you can bring up your Gamma, um, all sorts of different great ways to utilize your own brain. Wow. Well, this was amazing, buddy. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I just have a bunch of EEGs um, and different devices like that that I work with, but um, biofeedback and stuff. But uh, thank I, you so I, much for your time. And I want to thank all the viewers and question askers. And I love you guys. Love you all. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. And this was amazing. And we'll, we'll do it again. I'll email you to set something up so we can do that tone of paw or, or Dugway Proving Brown. 